You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You're listening to Orange and Blue Bloods. Hosted by EJ Stewart and Tommy Beard. Let's get to it, New York. One of the most prolific scorers in Knicks history officially has retired. Carmelo Anthony announced Monday that he is retiring from the NBA. He last played for the Los Angeles Lakers during the 2021-2022 season. Melo started his career in Denver being drafted number three overall by the Nuggets. He would spend seven and a half years in Denver before being sent to New York in a blockbuster midseason trade with the Knicks. During his seven years with the Knicks, Anthony averaged 24 points per game. He made two NBA all-NBA all-NBA all appearances. He was selected as an NBA All-Star in each of his seasons in New York. Anthony's best season definitely came in 2013 for the Knicks when he led the league in scoring. He helped New York win 54 games and advanced past the first round of the playoffs for the first time since 2000. That was a 13-year drought with the Knicks being able to una- unable to advance past the first round. It was the only time that Melo's Knicks won a playoff series during his New York career. Anthony would then would be traded to the Oklahoma City Thunder in 2018, and he finished his career with stops in Portland and Los Angeles. So, Tommy, I'm making it really simple here. You have one word to describe Carmelo Anthony's career. What word are you using? Uh, I'll go with bucket. Um, you know, okay. like the the, the, the the phrase bucket getter is probably uh, thrown around too loosely nowadays. Um, but make no mistake, Carmelo Anthony, one of is, what is and what and, and has retired as one of the greatest scorers in NBA history. I mean, look no further than the fact that he's ninth all time uh, in NBA scoring. Um, only eight players in the history of the sport um, have scored more points in an NBA game. It's LeBron, Kareem, Carmelo, Kobe, Michael Jordan, Dirk, Wilt and Shaq. And then you have mm-hmm. Melo. So, you know, anytime you're on the top 10 list um, and in one of the supreme, um, you know, one of the elite scorers, uh, you know, one of the elite players of all time in your in your respective sport, um, you get a ton of credit, a ton of respect, um, well-deserved. Listen, he wasn't a perfect player. Um, his, his defensive deficiencies obviously um, complicate things a little bit. Um, but, uh, when it, when it came to scoring the basketball and, and the team that scores the most points wins, um, you know, Mello was, was right there. So, uh, a ton of respect today for, for, uh, what Mello did on the court. Um, and, uh, yeah, he'll, he'll get his flowers a, a, as he should. Yeah, definitely going to give a, a nice round of applause for Carmelo Anthony on his, uh, on his retirement on this episode of Orange and Blue Bloods. If I'm going to use one word. I'm going to say star-crossed, and I know maybe that's a hyphenated word. Maybe it's two words, but I'm going to you know, break my own rules here and say star-crossed because I feel like 
Carmelo Anthony's career, we know him as a prolific scorer. We know him as, as Tommy said, a bucket, um, a, a true number one option. It just, I, I, it's just unfortunate to me that things never are lined up for Melo to consistently make deep playoff runs, to make that NBA Finals appearance, uh, to maybe win an NBA championship. Like you said, he's not a perfect player, but there are plenty of imperfect players yeah. that have led their team to NBA championships. And it's it's to me it's, it's a little sad that like he never got that chance to at least even get to the mountaintop. He got close in Denver, and then he ran into the Lakers. When I think about Melo's career, like he entered a Western Conference in 2004, that was an absolute beast. Um, yeah, yeah, Dallas. You had uh, uh, New Orleans coming up with Chris Paul eventually when he came into the league. You had uh, San Antonio, who nobody could get past. It was so many talented teams that when he was in Denver, it was just hard for the Nuggets to really crack through. And then once the Lakers, after their short rebuild that the Shaq left, got back to being a championship contender, then that was the team you had to get by. And it was just too much talent in the Western Conference. And the Nuggets were unable to put together uh, teams around him that could compete for a championship consistently. And he gets traded to New York, and you think things are going to work out there. And the Knicks weren't able to put a team around him to compete for a championship. So. Uh, and he's playing a conference with, you know, Lamar James and and, and the Miami Heat. So it, 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 that's the thing I think about with Carmelo Anthony's career is, is Starcross. I almost think of him almost like Trace McGrady, though McGrady had even less uh, playoff success. Like guys who had unbelievable talent, but because of their circumstances, were never able to play on the ultimate stage, which I think in many ways I feel like that's what fans lost out on because um, Melo in the right situation, as we saw with the Olympic team, he was a special player. Um, yeah, t- uh, totally agree. And um, it's a really good point because there's like a few points of, you know, pivot points in, in Mello's journey. Um, yep. Obviously, one of the highest recruited players in, in the country coming out of Oak Hill, goes to Syracuse 20 and 10 as a freshman, carries the, the, the orange to a national championship. Somehow slips to third in the draft. Obviously, LeBron goes one. Darko yep. Millis those two infamously um yeah. you know you talk about entering the west what if what if carmelo gets drafted by that pistons team with a championship core exactly um, you know could they have gone on a run could they have won a couple championships you know you replaced carmelo with darko milicic and, and kind of re refix that that roster um with the young <laughs> yeah. mellow and, and mellow was averaging 28 points by the time he was 22 23 years old yeah he was ready to contribute right away. Um, so instead, he goes to Denver, a team which hadn't been successful, won 17 games the year before, wins 43 um, in Melo's first year. Um, uh, one of the cool Melo stats that rookie season, he was the first player to lead his t- the first rookie to lead his team in scoring and lead that team to the postseason uh, since David Robinson uh, with the Spurs uh, about yep. uh, 15 years earlier. Um, the other kind of inflection point, Carmelo's career, instead of signing a three-year uh, off his rookie contract instead of signing a contract with a four with a three-year and then a player option yep. prior to that fourth season Mello wanted to lock in that fourth season for whatever reason want to secure the bag as the, as the kids say and because of that was not a free agent at the same time as as D Wade and LeBron and Bosch um the other guys in that class that yeah. you know um you know obviously Wade uh, Mello went three Wade went four Bosch went five um 
because he what you know if it's not if it's not for that for if he just had had that player option still would have made the same amount of money um you know obviously you know barring an injury whatever he would have been the third banana with that with LeBron and D Wade you you have to assume they would have figured out a way or you know with one of those guys or two of those guys um yeah. you know that, that would have all played itself out far different and you know you you hit your star next to LeBron um you have a perfect compen- complementary piece in in Melo and then lastly the have the amnesty situation regarding Chauncey Billups and the Knicks yep. and how that complicated everything and that kind of um you know messed up so to speak um the, the kind of Knicks project you know building around Carmelo so there's a few key things that had gone a little bit differently had, had gone a little bit this way or a little bit that way um Melo would have been in a much better position to win um as it stands, um, you know, he doesn't have those 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 accolades, you know, not only did he not win a championship, never got to play in a championship. And as you mentioned, um, we saw what he did. Uh, most outstanding player as a freshman with Syracuse. Yeah. Um, 37 point game team USA with the highest score individual 10 three pointers that game against uh Nigeria 2008 so had another 30 point game uh, was the USA's all time leading scorer till Kevin Durant passed them back in 2021 so um it's a shame that Melo never really got a chance to shine in that kind of bright spotlight yeah yeah like people know how much I love Marvel superheroes I'm actually wearing a Spider-Man shirt today you can't see um so I, I know I, I love superheroes I love stuff and I feel like for me Carmelo Anthony would be the perfect player to do a what if comic book or like a what if uh, cartoon on that Marvel does on, on Disney Plus because like there are so many what if moments at Carmelo Anthony's career that if they change one way or another, uh, maybe he's an NBA champion. Um, again, it starts with like you said, uh, the Detroit Pistons not picking him to go number two as opposed to him going number three to Denver, Detroit had a championship roster and they maybe were would have been a dynasty if they would have had Carmelo Anthony like like that's a, a, an inflection point um you mentioned the uh the, you know the the trade to the Knicks and the decision yeah. for Melo not to uh wait till free agency because he was a, a worried about the lockout and said he wanted to make the trade now and force things to give up so many access to get him um you mentioned the fact that he signed the, the full five-year deal as opposed to signing the three plus one deal that Mellow Wade and Bosch had signed. How much that changes his career? Um, how much Nick's decision to amnesty Chauncey Bills? I mean, there are like literally there may be six or seven moments in his career that one thing flips a different way and he's an entirely different career. What if he enters the NBA straight out of high school? Like he was a guy a lot of people looked at and said, Hey, he could be a guy that could go straight from the NBA, uh, straight from high school to the NBA. And he probably would have been a number two pick in the draft as opposed to being. Uh, number three, he was number, you know, Yao was number one year before. What happens if he goes number two? How does that change his career? Like, so uh, he, his career, I think, of almost maybe any uh, player in the NBA history is when you look at it multiple times and say, hey, if one thing goes a different way, like this is entirely, this is entirely different. Why, why do you think the Knicks struggled so much to build a winner around Carmelo? Well, um, you know, we talked about the things that have gone against, you know, Carmelo, kind of the breaks that that went his way, and it doesn't seem like any of them went his way. We also have to shoulder Melo has to shoulder some responsibility for the way things played out in New York. Um, one, yeah. as you mentioned, um, demanding the trade prior to entering free agency when he would have had the opportunity to sign with the Knicks and they would have kept all their pieces intact. Um, that obviously is 
gets factored into the decision in terms of why the Knicks were ever, never able to, uh, to complete a successful, complete roster with sustained success. Um, again, not, not uh, putting, putting this in, in context, the Knicks didn't win a single playoff game in the nine years before Carmelo arrived. They only won one playoff game in the five years after he left. Um, you know, he took the team to three straight, you know, postseasons, won 54 games, 2012, 2013, the only time this millennium, the Knicks have won 50 plus games. Uh, but again, you know, there were higher expectations and we have a, player that's top 10 all-time in scoring those expectations get ratcheted up and rightfully so um that being said the other thing that worked against Mello, it was his uh his rigidity he didn't want to accept moving to that power four spot um yes. you know when he when that would have been that would have put him his team in the best position to succeed whether him whether himself you know he didn't want to the physical pounding on guarding bigger stronger power forwards um, you know, he wanted a little more, you know, a little bit less of a difficult assignment on that end. Um, yes. I think that works against him. We talked about the Chauncey Billups thing. Um, so it's kind of a confluence of factors. And, uh, you know, again, Melo's not committing as much to the defensive end of the floor. Um, you know, uh, you know, just when you play a style, that's kind of an ISO style. It, 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 it's, it, it can be difficult to bring in, you know, surrounding players and, and complementary pieces. Um, but, uh, you know, those, but those have to be weighed as factors as well. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Yeah. In many ways, I feel like him and Dirk almost have like very similar issues and things you complain about their careers. But like Dirk was fortunate enough that Dallas found the right team to build around him. And it was like in many ways, like the perfect team to build around him that didn't wasn't a super team, like a team that like you had the right point guard, you had the right six man, you had the right center to help him on the defensive end. You had the right wings who can guard multiple guys and guard the fours like it with uh with Sean Marion. Like like Mello, I and I and uh, as someone who loved Dirk Whiskey during that time, like, I used to always feel like Mello needs like that team. Like he needs if you were to put him on that Dallas Maverick team, maybe they beat the Heat because that would have been a perfect fit for him as well. Like it, it just seemed like the Knicks were unable to kind of put the pieces together when they got Chandler, it forced them to lose their point guard and in, in Billups and they, and they weren't able to overcome the fact that now they were going to be capped out because they decided to amnesty him instead of letting him just uh, expire. Like th there were so many different issues. Uh, and then Phil Jackson came in and I feel like as time goes on, it, it's really kind of wild to see just how much like the Phil Jackson thing went off the rails. Like it, it was bad at the time, but, you know, the Knicks the year before, I know they they missed the playoffs the following year. They only won 37 games. But then Phil Jackson comes in, and it is just an absolute disaster. 17 wins, 32 wins, uh, you know, 31 wins. Like, the team's at 29 wins. And then, you know, of course, he was fired at that point. Steve Mills came in. Like, like the Knicks went from being a, a semi-competitive team, maybe a team that was underachieving a little bit, but a team that was getting to the playoffs every year, to a team that just was not even competing, essentially wasted – the last good years of, of Carmelo Anthony's career. In many ways, you know, Phil Jackson's leadership and, and how he kind of ran the Knicks into the ground really end up derailing what should have been more competent years with Carmelo Anthony playing on bigger stages in the postseason and maybe making a run. I think that Phil Jackson's uh, part, and it really maybe goes kind of underrated given 
all the talk about, you know, how Jer- he didn't want to, you know, Melo didn't want to adjust his insanity and a lot of things about like, and I've said all the things that Melo has done wrong, but that Phil Jackson hiring ended up just completely tanking the rest of Melo's career. Yeah, listen, Phil did a was 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 not a good hire in retrospect. Obviously, we know that now. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it's it's probably a combination of the style of play and and the player. Yeah. Right, and, and again, it's one of those things, um, one of many things that just kind of tweaked. You know, went one bounce here, one kind of turn there, um, sliding doors moment uh, that that went the opposite way as as Melo would have hoped. Where do you rank Melo among the greatest Knicks of all time? It's an interesting ranking because he's up there among the highest scorers of all time but he doesn't have some of the championships other guys have he doesn't have the finals appearance that ewing has so uh how, how do you juxtapose where mellow ranks in terms of all-time mix yeah i have him lower than most probably lower than than far most actually i have him eighth uh in, in terms of of, of all-time mix wow. rankings um so i'll run you down my seven just so i can give you some little explanation uh, at seven okay. i got harry gallinan um you know this goes back to the 50s uh, made three straight finals um his, his first few years in the league um it's played in 610 consecutive regular season games 57 straight postseason games um was an all-star seven straight seasons from 51 through 50 uh, from 1950 to 1957 um Again, History lesson from Mr. Tommy Beer. <laughs> there you go. How many of you guys have Henry Gallon on your on your <laughs> Harry Gallon on your list? Come on. You know, if we're, you know, I, I understand a lot of folks today want to, you know, say the history, you know, if, if it's before Magic and Bird didn't exist, but the reality is it does. Um, so I tried to I I, I you know for full disclosure, I did this list. Um, last offseason, I ranked the top 75 wow. Knicks of all time. So I ranked each, you know, going down one by one. I tried to look at history and individual performance and, and postseason success. It gets complicated um, because, again, fewer teams in the 1950s and, and easier to make the all-star team, easier to advance the postseason, et cetera. Um, but, you know, when you, you know, this is a guy, you know, Gallon was a, was a monster, Harry the Horse, averaged 15 rebounds per game um, in, in yeah. 53-54. Um, number six, I got Bernard King. Um, I don't think we have to talk too much about him. Um, again, not only was he legit scorer, incredible scorer like Carmelo, um, he would be top 10 too if he hadn't had his injuries. Um, uh, but he was also, you know, he, he scored in, in big moments and big spots. Um, obviously, the, the, the series against the Pistons is legendary. Yeah. Um, and, and he's had some postseason success, not overwhelming postseason success, similar to Carmelo. But um, I thought those two were close. Um, I give a slight edge to, to Bernard King. Um, Richie Guerin, um, I got at number five. Um, when you talk about all around production, um, Garen was, was a monster, um, yes. 1962, 1961, 62, he played in that same era as the, um, as the big O and Wilt and, and those guys. Um, so he's not thought of in that same class, nor should he be, um, but make no mistake. Um, one of only four players in NBA history to average at least 29 points, six assists and six rebounds, um, over the course of the season. The only three other players in that club are Oscar Robinson, Michael Jordan, LeBron James, um, uh, during his prime from 50, uh, 1957 through 1962, Garen averaged 7.2 rebounds and six assists per game, uh, played in six consecutive all-star games. Um, again, this guy did it all contributed, um, on the glass, distributing the basketball scoring. Um, you know, those are really impressive numbers. Um, I don't need to say, um, you, I, I, that goes without saying, obviously. Um, and then my top four, um, I got the Busher, who I think is probably one of the most underappreciated, disrespected Knicks yeah. of all time um, in terms of, again, you know, we're factoring regular season production, the turn kind of, a, you know, we talk about pivot points, the the, the Knicks yeah. changing from a good team to a great team was the trade that brought Dave the Busher two world championships. He was integral part of, of both of those squads. Um, so, you know, 
it's it, it's hard to to over you know to overstate his importance on the club. Um, and again, those those two titles you know tip him over the top. And then obviously you have the top three of Reed, Frazier, and Ewing. I mean, I I I think that that's fair. I think a lot. I agree. I think a lot of people have him uh, a lot higher. I would have Melo over Gallatin only because of how little the league was integrated when Gallatin played. I think that that's a, a factor when I, when I think of ranking certain guys. So again, seven time All Star, seven straight, I believe. So uh, a great player, but the league was very different, obviously, back then. So I put him out of him. Um, the the Busher and King arguments, I think, are the ones that are the the tipping point. I think with for a lot of people when it comes to like where. You rank him from there, and I agree. I have, actually have Garen uh, over him as well. But the 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 more, and maybe I'm becoming a mellow sympathizer here. But like the BK mellow discussion, I think needs to be revisited when in terms of ranking all time Knicks, because as we as you mentioned, and you make a fair point about you know King having you know the run against uh uh you know against the Pistons and then taking the Celtics to seven games. But like that run with the Knicks was short. I mean, it, it, you know, in terms of his prime, it, you know, and obviously it was an injury that factored in. But you're talking about a, a prime that was really four years essentially, uh, and, and you know, one year where he was uh, a guy averaging 32 before he got hurt. The year before that, he averaged 26. I mean, Melo led the league in scoring at well, 28. He took the Knicks to multiple postseasons. I feel like if you look at Melo's totality, I think his numbers are better than than than. Bernard Kings in terms of Nick career. Uh, so I think I would have Melo over, over, over Bernard King. You know, he can't help that Bernard King got hurt, but three years he gets hurt. And then he comes back to the end of uh, the 87 season. I, I just think Melo multiple playoff appearances, leading league in scoring multiple all NBAs. I, they're very close, but I think I would lean Melo slightly. And then when we get to, and, and then, uh, and then the busher, which is a tough one because that really comes down to like, what do you value? Do you value right. a guy who was an integral piece of a championship? Or do you value a guy who um, is like, you know, maybe individually one of the top players in the NBA? I think I could live with the Busher over Melo because the Busher was like a three time all star before he got to New York. Like, this guy was a, a star player in the NBA and then he gets to New York and he takes him over the top. So I can live with the Bushers. I think that gets that, I guess that leaves me around six for Carmelo Anthony. Which I think is is a is a very respectable spot, obviously. But I think that a lot of people listening to this podcast will be upset. They'll probably be like, "What the hell? How's Melo not in the top five? But I agree, he's not touching Ewing, uh, Clyde, or um, or uh, or uh, uh, the captain, of course, Willis Reed. Yeah. Um, and and then so when and then I'll be honest, I, I think Earl Monroe also is gonna be kind of kind of be in that conversation as well. He would probably be right there around eight or seven too. So. It's it's tough. I feel like once you get to that top three, then there's like the next crop that includes like the, a lot of guys we named, and Mel sits somewhere around there. Um, as far as the, the Busher thing goes, yeah, it's difficult. You're kind of weighing intangibles, um, yeah. but in, in terms of overall impact on the game, this is where I got to knock Mellow down a couple notches. Um, Dave the Busher, um, uh, not only was he. Um, uh, Eight, eight, made eight all-star games in his career. He was named to the NBA's all-defensive first team um, the, the first six years of his existence. 
Um, so like you talk about impact defensively, and that's obviously one of the reasons why the Knicks were great. And not only in the regular season, but just, you know, continued sustained postseason success as two titles will attest, um, the back, one of the backbones of the team, obviously, you know, you can't, you know, it's all the captain and, and, and Frazier yeah. taking nothing away from those guys. Um, the Busher was an integral part of, of, the, of those teams and allowed those guys, um, you know, greater flexibility to kind of focus on the offensive end, um, knowing that you had a lockdown, uh, backline defense in the bush right. who's you know skilled for you know his defensive versatility um but again you know listen in terms of a player you know like Carmelo Anthony is is probably more talented than than just about anybody probably more talented right. than Will Street yeah. um but it's you know ability yeah. to put it together ability to uh, put it together consistently um sacrifice for the team you know sometimes sacrifice those scoring stats um and uh you know the and, and, and as far as the the, the king um uh, mellow comparisons very very difficult to choose between those two very similar yes. you're right um limited combination i if i were to push back i'd point out that mellow was a um led the league in scoring um but Car uh, bernard king did as well average 32.9 and 84 85 um along with 5.8 rebounds shot 53 percent from the floor um during yeah. that season um and of course the the 1984 playoff run um 12 games total averaged 34.8 points um, shot uh, 57% from the floor, which is just 58% from the yeah. floor. Yeah, I mean, he, I mean, you know, I've said it. I mean, his number needs to be in the Raptors. I mean, Bernard King uh, was a, a, just a, a dominant offensive player. Agreed. It's it's tough. Those two guys are the guy. I love those conversations between Melo and, and King because they're so similar. They both played on, like, really poorly constructed teams around them. And, you know, with Bernard King, I think sometimes he gets a benefit of the doubt when it comes to, well, the injury didn't allow him to see whatever, maybe what could have become with the Knicks. And to Bernard King's credit, like, you know, Melo won one playoff series in like seven years. I mean, Bernard King won two playoff series in essentially three, you know. So so that's like so you're talking about success in the postseason. Bernard King has a, a, a big advantage. I do think longevity has to mean something when it comes to uh, these conversations as well. But very interesting discussion. We've been talking about Carmelo Anthony. The uh, the the uh, the the Nick prolific score retiring from the NBA on Monday. Where does Mel rank in your eyes uh, among greatest small forwards of all time? Ooh, who do we got up there? I mean, obviously LeBron, LeBron, Light Bird, Scottie Pippen, KD, Rick Barry, KD, um, Julius Irving, of course. Like, does he crack that top ten? You think? Mm, did we get to ten yet? Havlicek. Is he considering him a small forward, Elgin Baylor? Yeah, I would. Yeah, I would say both those guys small forwards, and Melo's not better than any of those guys. I don't think Melo's no. better than anybody I, I've named so far. Uh, agreed. I don't think he's in the coverage. Um, Melo, Dominique Wilkins. Who do you got? Ooh, that's a tough one. Um, I think I lean Neek. Same. Yeah, I think I lean Neek. That's a, a tough bit more one. Though. Sustained success, a tougher competition. Yeah, so yeah. I guess he's right outside the top ten. Um, let me look. Let me look online here. Kawhi James, Leonard, James, James Worthy, in, is James Worthy small forward? Yeah, yeah. I mean, they started like AC yeah, Green yeah. and and, uh, uh, and Rambis is you know, another mellow legend. Mellow, mellow or Paul Pierce? Who do you got? <sighs> I mean, Mellow's a better was a better player than Paul Pierce. Paul Pierce had, I think, Paul Pierce is underrated. Like. It's become the the fun thing to dunk on Paul Pierce's career because he's so yeah, I guess, yeah, cocky yeah. about what he accomplished. But right. I mean, Paul Pierce was a, an absolute killer, and I think people kind of need to remember kind of how good he was. Finals MVP. I mean, that's a yeah. That's a, 
big that's a big feather in his cap, man. It is. It is. I I, I probably would lean Paul Pierce. I think so too. I, I think I, would... I think I think I think Melo is a more talented player, but if I had a guy in terms of who I wanted for one game to win in a yes. playoff game, I think I'd, yes. I'd take Paul Pierce. And Paul Pierce, who was uh, not as athletic or as, as Carmelo Anthony, was a much better defensive player. So yes. I mean, I think yes. that that you know that that would factor in as well. So you're probably yeah. talking yeah. about Melo in that like ten to fifteen range. Is also Alex English, who's Alex uh, English. underrated, one of the greatest small forwards of all time as well. Yeah. Uh, Adrian Danley. Was another scoring yeah. machine in the eighties. There were a lot of guys in that that eighties era. You know, King, Dantley, uh, English. Where you're like, man, these guys played in any other era besides yes. the Magic Johnson, Larry Bird era. Because these guys have made it to an NBA championship. At good, some good point. trivia question: Adrian Dantley leads led all players in scoring in the decade of the nineteen eighties. Most points scored in nineteen eighties. Yeah, I mean, yeah, a lot of people again. A lot of people don't know. It, it, that's one thing I love about the history of the game, and I wish more people like uh, you know really like uh, lived in it and really kind of embraced it. Like there are so many great players who have played in these leagues, and when we talk about you know ranking the likes of a Carmelo Anthony, who's a great player in his own right, we've talked about that a ton on this episode. Like there are so many guys though. When you say okay, let's ratchet them up to the top five and the top three, it's like we, we got to take a close look at these other guys and what they've accomplished as well. A hundred percent. All that said. To be even be in the conversation with these guys is a huge credit to Kamalo Anthony and his career. Yeah. And we, we should have prefaced this at the top. And and fact of the matter is, Carmelo Anthony is a first ballot Hall of Famer. One hundred percent. No no question, no debates. As easy a first ballot again. It's the Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame. It's not the NBA Hall of Fame. Um, and as we discussed, national championship at Syracuse. Um, one of the most decorated three-time Olympic gold medalists, one of the most decorated U.S. Olympian athletes of all time, um, uh, basketball players. So, and then you and then you factor in uh, the the incredible NBA career. So, um, again, there are very few first first surefire hundred percent first ballot Hall of Famers. Carmelo Anthony is one such player. Absolutely, absolutely. We're talking about the great Carmelo Anthony who announced his retirement from the NBA. Okay, I want to ask you. Of all the illustrious moments in Carmelo Anthony's career, so there's plenty of them. There is the 62-point performance against the Bobcats in 2014 that set the MSG and Knicks scoring record, breaking Bernard King's record, and then uh, breaking Kobe and James Harden scoring 61 at the Garden. Um, there's a 50-piece all-jumpers that Melo gave to the Miami Heat in 2013. I think a game that gets forgotten about. It's insane that a guy could score 50 points on just only jump shots for an entire game. Uh, that that was one of the best performances. You got uh, Melo's game winner, his first one with the Knicks against Memphis over Tony Allen. He yells at Rudy Gay, his fellow you know DMV buddy. This I do this. This is what I do as he's running back down the court. There is the Easter double bang three pointers against the Bulls uh, in 2013. Of course, outside of the Knicks, you got uh, Melo leading Syracuse to a, a national championship. You got Melo uh, hitting the game winner over LeBron in 2010 in overtime. To beat the Cavs when he was on the Denver Nuggets. Carmelo Anthony battling with Kobe Bryant in uh, the 2009 NBA uh, Western Conference Finals. So, of all of these moments, what is your favorite Carmelo Anthony moment? Let me tell you my least favorite Carmelo Anthony great moment. It's the 62 point game. Um, I was in a, I was living <laughs> in Forest Hills at the time, and I had um, season credentials for the Knicks. So I would go to 35, you know, games a year. You know, yeah. pretty much every every Knicks home game. Um, at the time, 
but Friday nights I had a run at what was that school over there in the corner, PS one hundred six or something like that. Um, but I had a Friday night run that I would play in, um, you know, and it, it, some nights I would skip it to to go. This was uh, you know to, you know it was one of the last few games we're going to close up. Um, you know, the, the public school for, for the, for the runs for a little while. So I decided to go to that game and I'm checking my phone at halftime. I'm like, dude, what is this guy on? And then I get home, <laughs> and, and, you know, and I, and I see that he scored 62. So I was in the building for that. That annoyed me. Um, but, but credit to Carmelo for that. My favorite, um, I got to go with the double bank three pointers against the bulls. It just seemed kind of like, uh, first of all, great Breen call, um, great New York moment at the garden, um, in a game that meant something, a game of import, it was kind of like yeah. there was still hope. You know, there there was legitimate hope that the Knicks were a, really a franchise on the rise, and Carmelo was yeah. going to take them back to the finals and back to postseason prominence. Um, you know, and, and this was just the first taste of it. And you know, you needed a guy like him to get you those big buckets and big moments. Um, and he came down the court, delivered. Um, you know, Luol Dang, and, and just you know, against the, the against the Bulls to kind of spicing up that 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 rivalry a little bit. Um, so I think that's probably my favorite uh, mellow moment you mentioned the uh breen call we have the breen call let's hear it come out anthony double bang on easter 2013 smith has it nicks down three should the bulls foul no anthony for three bang that one goes down and the game is tied in the hands of anthony anthony for three puts it in nicks by one with eight point two remaining I mean, if that doesn't give you chills, I just don't know what kind of pulse you have. I don't know why you're listening to a Knicks podcast. I don't know if you're a Knicks fan, <laughs> but that moment still, and I, it, it's, I think it's Breen's maybe second best call of his career. I think the Curry forty footer in OKC is his best call. But those my, two... my, my, Mike Breen's birthday today. Happy 62nd birthday, Mike Breen, actually. Happy 62nd birthday, Mike Breen. I have a funny story. Mike Breen was acting assistant coach on a Long Island Lightning team I played on when I was uh, like, like 11, 12 years old. And I'll tell that story at some point on the podcast. We have a long summer, so we'll talk about that at some point. But um, so happy birthday, Coach Mike. But yes, the, um, the, the, the two of my favorite calls, of course, two of my favorite players of all time, Melo and Seth Curry. I think that's number two. I think the Curry call is number one. But like, yeah, that moment, I think, and I think you encapsulated it right because remember that was the same Linsanity season. Like a lot of people yeah. kind of forgot, like Linsanity went crazy and then he got hurt. So Jeremy Lin's out and then Melo has to come in and it's kind of like, all right, what's it going to be? Is he really the guy? Like, you know, or is he going to be able to coexist with Lin when he gets back? Like, you know, we just saw Knicks winning without him. Like what is Melo? And that, that really felt like Melo's like welcome to New York moment. And it's, Crazy because it was like a year after he'd already been here. But like you're playing to the Chicago Bulls. You got Tom Thibodeau, who's the current Knicks coach, yeah. on the other sidelines. The Bulls were the team in the Eastern Conference that year. And it felt like a game the Knicks were not gonna win. Like it like they like the Bulls had, had you know had this unbelievable defense and they were locking up the Knicks for most of that game. And Melo kind of just kept them in throughout. And it's a late game, late season game. You're trying to get seeding in, into the in the playoffs, and Melo uh uh hits that first one where you know he Jeff and Gundy says you know should he foul <laughs> no. he's like no Melo drains a 30 footer you're like oh that's probably a bad decision and then to come back and hit another three and the Knicks the crazy thing about those threes the Knicks were down both of those shots like that's what made it insane because how many times you see guys you know game is tied 
you're shooting, you know, no pressure threes. And these guys hit three. And, like, you know, it's big shots, and, and you give them credit. But it, it, it's a different kind of three. When you're down three points, you're coming down the court. You don't know if they're going to foul. You don't know what they're going to do. And you're making a shot to keep your season alive, to keep the postseason uh, postseason seating in a better position because the Knicks were teetering. They were they were not a team that was a locked playoff team. He hits that three. You're like, oh, wow, that's crazy. He sent it to overtime. Then you're down by two again. And now instead of going for a, a, a bucket, a, a two-point shot, you take another 30-footer. Like, I mean, that was just – that, and you hear the garden crowd just going absolutely berserk. One of the loudest you'll ever hear Madison Square Garden. One of my favorite Nick moments of all time, and I think without question, uh, the, my favorite mellow moment of all time. Um, I'll give you one more question before we move on here. If you could add any Knicks player to Carmelo's seven run in the seven year run in New York, so you got to include like the guys they actually had on their team to help him win a title, who would you pick? Hmm, good question. Uh, current Knicks player? Oh, I, I didn't even think about that. I thought, I thought of all time, but actually, let's do both. Let's do current and let's do all time. I think that's a that's a good wrinkle I didn't think about. Um, all time, I you know you'd love to see Carmelo play with a dominant big, you know whether it's Patrick or or or, or Willis. Um, that mm. would be, be really cool to see. Um, and current, I think I'd I think I'd go with um, uh, Jalen Brunson. You know, just, uh, just coming off his incredible postseason run, um, teaming him together with another lead scorer. They certainly could have used some mellow mid range jumpers against Miami, huh? Oh yeah, yeah. That was that that was a series that. Mello would have been very much needed. Like he's the exact kind of player, those kind of nip and tuck physical kind of games. Like you needed a guy who you could throw the ball to and he just score on, on anybody. So I agree. Mello been great in this series that the Knicks just lost all time. Everybody's going to run to Patrick Ewing, but I actually think I would run to Clyde Frazier mm. because the Knicks had a lot of problems at point guard during the time Mello was here, whether it was, uh, Lynn being hurt, uh, Chauncey Bills being old and hurt. Felton was okay, but only for one year. Like the Knicks had Tyson Chandler, and he was, you know, imperfect himself, but he did have uh, two seasons all NBA defensive team. It was a perfect player fit next to Mello, a guy who doesn't need the ball, you know, just, just attack the glass. Right. So, like, I, I, I was okay. I'm okay with living with that at the five. It's great. Much Patrick was 100 times better than Tyson Chandler. But uh, considering how bad the point guards were Melo were playing with, I'm like, you gave him Walt Clyde Frazier. You gave him a guy who could a- attack uh, defensively in terms of a point of attack to defense. He helped you there. And a guy who can come up big in those clutch moments at times where you thought Melo maybe was coming up smaller and, and you didn't have a guy to go to it. This is a guy who's championship pedigree, has hit big shots, has won titles games, won big playoff games. Like, I think that if you add Walt Clyde Frazier to Melo's, to any of those Melo Knicks teams, I think they, 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 they win. Uh, maybe they beat uh, Indiana in, in 2013. They get to the Eastern Conference Finals because uh, Graham Felton did not have a good series there. He was outplayed by George Hill. Um, one of the underrated storylines in that playoffs because everybody talked about, you know, Hibbert dominating, uh, just absolutely dominating a Tyson Chandler. George Hill had a really good series too, and it was at the expense of Raymond Felton. And Jason Kidd couldn't make a shot. He, 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 I don't think he made a three for like, like four weeks. It was insane. So you had Clyde Frazier. That's an entirely different – uh, story. So I, I would add Clyde Nick. Current Nick, um, yeah, it's got to be it's got to be Brunson. It's the same thing. I, I think if you add a, uh, you know, if you add a point guard of that caliber, another guy with a super competitiveness, I think that that changes their life as well. So um, very interesting. Great talking about the career of Carmelo Anthony. Congrats to Carmelo Anthony once again. 
retiring from the NBA after a long career. Um, well, ended up and, being and, top 10 all time and all scoring and, and up there with the uh, all And one last thing on Melo, he, uh, he accepted the pressure and the responsibility that comes with playing in New York. You know, um, yeah. a lot of talk about free agents dodging the, 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 the big apple. Um, Melo wanted it, he wanted all that smoke, and, and he brought it more often than not. Um, you know, so, uh, friendly for having the courage to step in and step up.